2018 You need to be seen It's time to come to the aid of America In 2018 Be part of the team It's time to come to the aid of America Go to the polls and cast your vote Welcome to your voting guide by the League of Women Voters. This is Vivian Hart, and I will be your host on behalf of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. We're a nonpartisan organization, and we encourage citizens to be informed about and active in our government. However, we do not support any political party or candidate. Our goal with this program is to present unbiased information about candidates, the issues, and our voting process relating to the upcoming midterm election on November 6th. First, I'm going to be speaking with Carol West. She'll be talking with us about how to choose a candidate. Later in the program, I'll be speaking with Rex Graham. He'll be talking about the League's get out the vote efforts in the Tucson area. Both Carol and Rex our league members. And with me today is one of our most valued members, Carol West. And she is going to be talking with us today about what should a voter look for in a candidate. If you've ever wondered what you need to do in order to vote for the right candidate, she is going to tell you how to do it. Welcome, Carol. Well, thank you for having me. So first of all, I want to know, Voters receive brochures and they watch television ads about candidates running for office. Are there some more objective ways that they can learn about candidates? Well, first of all, before I answer your question, I'd like to point out that voting is a personal decision and it's really up to each person to make a decision. But I think sometimes if you Google a candidate, you can learn about some past news clips where they were in the news. Sometimes voters may want to look at Facebook accounts, but things like that may not be as objective. There are fact check sites, and those can be helpful. And I usually look, too, to see who has endorsed them. For example, if an environmental group has endorsed a candidate, you can be reasonably sure that they have some kind of a positive record on the environment. So there are are some ways, but it takes time and it takes some sleuthing in order to find out what you need to find out about candidates. Right. Or if a business group has endorsed a candidate, you know that the business community backs that candidate. That's right. That's right. Are political party labels helpful in deciding for whom to vote? I know in Tucson we have the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, the Democratic Party, and the Republican Party. So are these labels helpful in deciding which candidate to vote for? Well, I would say in my case mostly no because the parties have gone to such extremes as far as their philosophy is concerned. So it makes it harder to find out just exactly where the person stands. They can tell you that they're a Republican or a Democrat or a Green, but you don't really know just exactly what those parties stand for today. It's changed so much. Used to be that was a good way to find out. Right. And the individuals within a party may not be exactly the way a party wants them to be. They, because there are both, in both Republican and Democratic parties, there are both 
the more to the left or the right in both parties. True. And so you really have to look at the individual. You do. That's true. What would you say, is it better than looking at the political parties? Is it better to look at qualifications and experience and the length of time that a person's lived in our community or the state? I think that really is important to look at um, because Arizona is a unique place. We're pretty independent. We don't like people telling us what to do. And (laughs) so, you know, somebody has to understand our culture in order to be a good candidate and a good elected official. And they need to understand our environment. Yes. Because the desert environment is different from the east, from the cold country, even from California. Yes. Because I know there are regulations, federal regulations, that have to do with helping poorer people with money for heating. Yes. But not for cooling, because the people who made those regulations made those regulations who live in the cold country. They don't live in the desert. And so being in the desert, we are unique, and we need candidates who understand the desert environment where most of the people in the state live. And I think we're pretty accepting of other people, too, for the most part. And so that's something that I think a voter would need to take into account as they're looking at candidates. Does it influence your vote if you know the candidate personally? And I'm sure you've known a number of candidates personally. Or if the candidate has come to your door, this can make a difference. Or even if you've attended a house party for a candidate, can that make a difference in the way that you vote? What are your thoughts well, on that? Well, I, I think it does make a difference if you know the person personally. Uh, but sometimes uh, you may know too much. And so that that might not be exactly the candidate that you want to support. But one of the things that I think is so important, and I've counseled a lot of candidates about this, you have to ask the voter for their vote. And you never take them for granted. And often at a house party, that can happen, where the candidate will give a little talk about what he or she believes in, and then they will ask for your vote. And that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. And If somebody comes to my door, I'm really impressed because that takes a lot of courage. You don't know who's going to come to the door or if anyone will come to the door. But I've always enjoyed those encounters, and it does warm me towards that candidate often. What about if a representative of that candidate comes to your door? Well, there is research that indicates if it's a member of the candidate's family— that is almost as good as the having the candidate come. Oh. So my, my daughter and my husband did some campaigning for me, and that did help, and I was always with them. And so they could say, well, as a matter of fact, the candidate is just down the street. I'll have her come over and talk to you. Ah, so very good. That, that does work. What influence does negative campaigning have on a person's vote? Well, in my case, it doesn't have any impact one way or the other. I always think if there's a negative campaign, that that person doesn't have much to offer him or herself. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's better to detract from what their lack of qualifications and pilot on to their opponent. Sometimes, though, with these independent campaigns, uh, the candidate doesn't have anything to do with that because the independent campaign is just that. It's separate from 
the actual campaign of the candidate. So sometimes the candidate has nothing to do with that, too, and we have to keep that in mind. This is Vivian Hart. I'm speaking with Carol West, one of the members of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. Well, what I've seen are that the independent campaigns, the PACs, yes. what they'll do is they'll do the negative advertising against the person's opponent, and then the candidate can do all the positive, glowing advertisements about himself or herself. But I'm not sure that all of the voters are exactly sure who puts out what, and they might see the negative campaigning as coming from the candidate, even if it doesn't. Well, one thing for sure, these negative campaigns are effective or people wouldn't do them. And, you know, I think, again, do some fact checks to find out just what the truth is on some of these. You know, I think you're very right because I've seen some negative campaigns or ads about campaigns that were really tilted and they took a little bit from a candidate, from the opposite candidate, and they twisted it in such a way it wasn't really accurate at all. Right. So you have to make sure that when you're watching that negative ad that you check to make sure that that's actually accurate. And sometimes I try to find out who's doing these ads, but they say it so quickly and that it's flashed across the bottom of the screen so rapidly that I often don't know who mm-hmm. has uh, put this ad on the air. Yeah, that's too bad, isn't it? Yes, it, it, yes, it is. That's not being of service to the voter. No, it isn't. Well, let's go to another different topic. Let's say you receive a robocall. How does that influence your vote? Well, in my case, it doesn't because I do my homework, but I would guess if I hadn't done my homework and someone called and said, vote for Joe Blow, I might consider it just because I'm just wondering which candidate I should support. Mm -hmm. And if that's the only person you hear from, maybe that's the only person that you're going to consider. That's right. If that's the only person that I hear from, then yes, it could it could impact on my uh, decision. But certainly that's not as good as doing your homework yes. and learning about all the candidates in a race. Being a voter is hard work. No one ever said it's easy. <laughs> You're right. But, you know, we don't want to discourage people from voting. We just want them to do the best they can. Right. So what about political signs? Are political signs helpful for voters, or do they just clutter up while you're driving, you're seeing them on every corner. What are your opinions about political signs? Well, voters are very busy, and this allows them to find out who's running for various offices. In fact, I must admit, before the primary, I saw a couple of signs, and I thought, I wonder who those people are. And thanks to clean elections, I was able to find out uh, ahead of time. So it, it helps people to know who is running for office, and then they can find out more about those candidates in the ways that we mentioned earlier. Okay, so the signs are useful. Yes, but I'll tell you another thing. They need to come down immediately after the campaign because they really are a blight on our natural resources in our community. We all have our own self-interests. Are you more likely to vote for someone who seems to have your particular interests in mind? Well, I certainly have some self-interest. But I always voted for John McCain, even though I knew he wasn't pro-choice, because he had integrity. I look to see if a candidate is 
good on the environment. Uh, I'm for gun control, uh, family planning, those kinds of things. And I certainly appreciate finding out which candidates are conducive to those issues. But, you know, sometimes other things weigh into my decision as well. But certainly we all vote our own interests. Right. Social Security, Medicare, mm-hmm. you bet. I'm going to consider those items when I vote for a candidate. What I've noticed on some of the websites of the candidates, they'll have in the navigation at the top or the side, they'll have issues. Yes. And that's what I do is I click on issues and I look at what their thoughts are, what their positions are on whatever issues they bring up. And I think that's important, too, because that way you can know exactly how that person will vote and what they think about things. And if the person who's running against them doesn't have any issues on their page, I'll be a little more suspect because they may not be as open about what their positions are. Yes, I think that's very true. I'd be wondering how I could find out more about where they stood on those issues before I could vote for them. Right. That's where the newspaper articles come in. That's where interviews come in. And that's where forums would come in. Yes. Now, I know the League of Women Voters holds forums, and they have to have at least two parties represented at a forum in order for it to go forward. And that's actually a very good way to learn more about candidates' viewpoints. So why aren't more of these available? And are there ways to live stream forums to the public so that the public doesn't have to physically come to the forum? I think live streaming is going to be the wave of the future uh, because, yes, people often can't come out at night. They, They have maybe even are working and so they could watch this forum later when they have the time to watch it. I think that's what we're going to have to go to. The days of driving over to Pima Community College to a forum like we used to do, I think those days are past. But I think candidates should be willing to share information about themselves so that the voters know a little bit about them before they have to make that decision. Well, on this show, what we're doing, instead of having the statewide candidates physically come to Tucson, we're interviewing them over the phone. So if they live in Yuma or Phoenix or Flagstaff, it's not difficult for them to be interviewed. So that's what we're doing here. I have one more question, and that is, well, two more questions. One is, how long have you been a member of the League of Women Voters in town? Well, I actually started out as a member in Oregon. Oh. And uh, my youngest son is 47, and he was a baby (laughs) when (laughs) I became a League member. So I've been a member about 45 years. Wow, good for you. And in that 45 years, what are some of the things that you've done in the League? Well, in Oregon, I sometimes served on program committees because I had small children, so I didn't have the time to do much. But when I came here, they put me to work. I'd, I've done voter registration. I've done some fundraising for the league. I'm a past president. You know, as my husband tells people who are looking for me, call the league office because that's where she is. <laughs> <laughs> and you are now the social committee chair. The wonderful thing about the League is not only are you being of service to the community, but you're also making friends, you're also meeting people, and that you can have a social group of yourself. Right, and I I think 
that's one of the things that I really value the most, my, my league friends. We can have some wonderful conversations. We may not agree, but we're civil to one another, and we listen to one another. And that's something that seems to be a lost art in our society today. Exactly. Thank you very much, Carol. I very much appreciate you being with us today. Well, thanks for again for having me. This is Vivian Hart, and Carol West, one of the members of the League of Women Voters, has been my guest today. And I'm here today with Rex Graham, who's our Get Out the Vote coordinator. Welcome, Rex. Hi, Vivian. Nice to be here. As uh, the Get Out the Vote coordinator, what do you see as the main challenges to high turnout, high voter turnout in our November election coming up? Wow, that's an excellent question, and I wish I had the answer. Actually, the, the political parties and everybody is searching for the answer to that very question. And especially in midterms, the midterm turnout is usually about 30% lower than the general election. So people take a vacation from voting. And uh, I think what happens is when people get excited about a candidate or an issue, that turnout rate can click up. And there are a lot of things happening in our nation, as you know, Vivian, and uh, that may be a bigger force than anything that we do on the ground. Well, I know I was on the Secretary of State website today in the elections section, and I noticed that we have over three million people registered to vote in the state. And for our primary election, we only had a little over a million. So only about a third of the registered voters voted in the primary election. Now, I know more vote in the general election, and it's concerning to me because I would like everyone's vote to count. And of course, the people who are registered to vote, that's only a percentage of the people who can actually vote. That's true. Especially in the primaries, you have to be registered as one of four political parties in the state. And as you know, about a third of the voters in, in uh, Arizona are independents. Right. And they can still vote in a primary, but they have to designate which party they want to vote in. Right. So it they takes have to a, request that with the recorder's office. Yeah, exactly. So some people do that. Some people don't. They, they sit it out. They just wait. So let me ask you, what has the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson been focusing on to connect with voters? Well, the League is sort of operating in that mode year-round, really. We try to connect with voters, as you know, um, through a variety of voter education programs and forums where controversial figures and experts talk about the democratic process, and that really engages voters a lot. But uh, more broadly, the League this year, as you know, has been really pushing to register new voters. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge effort, um, not only on the part of the League, but by other groups as well. And as we get closer to the election, the focus now shifts from registering those voters to convincing those voters to exercise that new right that they have. And that's, that's what we're engaged in right now. So I understand the Get Out the Vote team has zeroed in on two specific groups of prospective voters. Tell me about it. What is the leak doing with these groups? That's a good question. Yes, we are focusing on these two groups. And if you're one of these two groups, raise your hand. <laughs> these are young voters, people who are between the ages of 18 and about 32. They are notoriously bad voters. They sort of learn the habit as they get older, and by the time they're in middle age or older, they're good voters. But it takes a while to learn that habit, and so younger voters are just a target group where we can really have an impact in increasing the number of votes and the voter turnout by helping that, that group uh, understand their, 
their responsibilities as voters. The other group that we're really interested in, too, is there are parts of Tucson that have very low voter turnout. It's historic. And year to year, election to election, there's parts of the city that just don't turn out. If you think of Tucson in terms of a map, if we go from the northern part of Tucson, it's very green, very high turnout. And as you go further south, that shade of green, that turnout gradually declines and, mm. and gets, gets fainter. And by the time you hit Grant Speedway, Broadway, and then 22nd Street, the green is sort of gone. And you enter an area of the city in general where turnout is much less. So instead of having a turnout in the 90s up north in Oro Valley and parts of eastern Tucson, the turnout is 50%, 40%, wow. or even lower in some precincts. It's under 40%. And these are of registered voters. These are registered voters. They're registered to vote, and they just they just don't vote. And so this is a group where we're really trying to help them. And the way we're doing it is just not to um, make them feel guilty, but just to understand what the problems are with them getting to the polls and actually voting. And sometimes there are very legitimate issues, logistical problems that they face that some people don't realize. And uh, the league is trying to help them overcome some of these last-minute or last-mile barriers to actually voting. So these are things like not having transportation to the polls. Exactly. Do they realize that they can sign up to get the ballot at home and mail it from their home? That's an excellent question. <laughs> this is one of the most important ways that all voters, uh, wherever you are, can be more effective, more efficient voters. Studies have shown this, too, that if you get your ballot mailed to you and you have three weeks to fill it out, put it back in the envelope and mail it, your turnout rate goes up dramatically uh, in every group that's been tested, and particularly in this younger group. These are often young parents. They get up in the morning. They feed their kids. They take them to daycare. They go to work. This is on election day. They pick up their kids after work. They either take them home or take them to practice. They have to make dinner. On election day, they run out of time, and it's not because they don't want to vote. It's just that they simply don't have the bandwidth, the time to exercise that right. This is Vivian Hart with the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. I'm speaking with Rex Graham, the Get Out the Vote Coordinator for the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. So getting the ballot at home is easy. For this group of people, studies have proven that for every day that this group of young parents has a ballot, their turnout rate goes up by 1% for every wow. day they have that ballot available to them in their homes. Wow, that's, that's great. That's huge. And even if they don't mail it in, they can take it to any polling place on the day of the election, and that hopefully will be right on the way to work or right on the way coming home from work. That's right. And they don't have to wait in line. They just walk right in and there's a box waiting for them and they just drop it in the box and, right. and they're on their way. Now, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a statistic and I'll tell you the story about my husband. And that is, the statistic is in Pima County, about 75 to 80 percent of the people who vote, vote by mail. So my husband loves to go to the polls. So he goes to the polls, and he came home, and he said there was hardly anybody there, hardly anybody voted. And I had to tell him, now what happens is, since 80% of the people are voting by mail, you're not going to see as many people at the polls. And that makes logical sense. So, And once he understood that, then he said, oh, that's why there weren't many people there. So voting by mail is very 
easy. And the way to do it is you sign up on a form called the Pebble. Right. There's there's several ways actually you can do this. When you register to vote, the form that you're given, at the very top of where you start entering your information is a box. Do you want to receive the ballot by mail? Check that yes. <laughs> and you will permanently get your every election ballot in the mail um, from then on. That's a really important way of getting that. However, if you've registered years ago and you, that wasn't available to you, you can still go to servicearizona.com, the website that the state has. There are little links that says register to vote. What you do is you just re-register and add the, basically the same information. And then at the end of that process, there's a little button to, to check. It says, I want to vote by mail permanently. That's the button you need to check. And then you will get your ballot in the mail from then on. Excellent. And the form I'm talking about is from the recorder's office. It's the permanent early voting list form. And it's the same thing. You just fill it out, and you fill it out once, you get the ballot at home. Now, I know part of the argument against voting at home is if you vote earlier, then some information about a candidate may come out at the last minute, and that's something to consider. In that case, if you're concerned about that, then vote the day before the election day and take it to the polling place. Right, right. Some people that I've talked to, too, Vivian, they say, you know, I just like to go into the polling place. Exactly. That's I've my always done that. I went he in with my it. with my parents mm-hmm. and I see people there. You know, you, you sign your name in the book and when you vote you get a little sticker button right, for your right. shirt and I just like to do that. And so I tell people, well, you can still do that. You can take your, your ballot, your mailed in ballot, go to the polls on election day, that you can go through that same process. You just won't have to wait in line. Right, exactly. <laughs> Now, I will tell you about 10% of the members of the League of Women Voters are men. And so I wanted to ask you, though, why have you invested so much of your volunteer energy with the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson to get out the vote? Why? Well, it's, it's pretty easy, Vivian. Actually, I grew up in a family of six sisters. <laughs> and so I was surrounded by women my whole life, and uh, I always been very comfortable around uh, around in a matriarchal society. Maybe that's part of it, but I think there is no league of men voters. Right. And uh, <laughs> for me, Vivian, I've been a very active volunteer in social justice causes uh, for the last five years. I've been active in environmental groups, protecting birds with the Audubon Society. And in Arizona, I work to protect mountain habitats with the Sky Island Alliance. And I'm active with immigrant and humanitarian aid groups, Mm -hmm. such as No More Deaths and others. And, uh, you know, when when we talk, when we talk in groups, it always comes down to the same thing. Gosh, you know, we just have to convince these legislators uh, of our point of view. Right. And so for me, I've put those activities sort of on, on hold because right now the most important thing I can do is to vote. And the people that I know, I explain the same thing to them and they agree. From now until November 6th, I think we just really need to be cognizant of the power and the the effect and the opportunity that we have now to vote and to make sure our friends um, exercise that right too. And that's why we have this show on KXCI, is because of the importance of the vote. Every person, no matter what party, no matter what your viewpoint is, please, please get out and vote. 
Absolutely. I'm totally in support of KXCI's uh, campaign in this regard. It's, it's, it's very, uh, very much in keeping with our democratic principles. Exactly. And I want to encourage any of our listeners who are men who would like to join the League of Women Voters. About 10% of the League is men. And so uh, we do have a group of men who get together and decide ways that they can help in the effort to get out the vote and the other activities that we have in the League. That's right. They're, uh, we're all pals. And <laughs> <laughs> And and it's but it's it's great to have this uh, this diverse community. It's not just men and women, but it's just a a diverse community of very competent, seasoned, successful, you know, engaged people in our community. And it's it's very inspiring for anybody, whether you're male or female, um, to be to be a part of that right. kind of organization. If you'd like, you're welcome to go on to our website. It's lwvgt.org. And you can look at the different things that we're doing, our calendar, and you can sign up to be a member, too. Thank you very much, Rex. I appreciate you being with us today and letting our listeners know about the different get-out-the-vote efforts that the League is doing in Tucson. So to our listeners, be sure and vote. You've been listening to Your Voting Guide by the League of Women Voters on KXCI 91.3 FM. This is Vivian Hart. Today I spoke with Carol West and Rex Graham, both League members. All episodes of this series are on kxci.org after they have been broadcast. This show is recorded and produced by Amanda Schauger. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've learned something new about the voting process today. And you can learn more by tuning in next week at the same time. Also, you can learn more about the League of Women Voters by going on to our website, lwvgt.org. We'll cover more important issues, candidates, election information next week. Please join us. Bye-bye.